don't want to scare anyone. But I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. His body was never recovered from the lake after he drowned. And if you listen to the old timers in town, they'll tell you he's still out there. Some sort of demented creature. Surviving in the wilderness. Full grown by now. Legend has it that Jason saw his mother beheaded that night. And he took his revenge. A revenge that he'll continue to seek if anyone ever enters his wilderness again. And by now, I guess you all know, we're the first to return here. Five years, five long years, he's been dormant. And he's hungry. Jason's out there. Watching. Always on the prowl for me. and welcome back to first friday the friday the 13th podcast where we go through each and every uh entry in the series and today we're going to be par- uh, covering part seven the new blood uh which i i, I never can figure out claire what the new blood is in this is it mm. the protagonist is it you know what what's the new, i don't think they ever answered this in the movie of who the new blood is um, Very true. I don't even think they probably know themselves. No. <laughs> they just came up with a snappy title and like, yeah, yeah that's the one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is a movie that I, you know, regardless of whether or not you like it or not, this is sort of the downhill of the franchise. Uh, this starts a little bit in part six where they make a little bit less money. But by the time you get to this one, they're actually making significantly less money than the previous installment. So in a lot of ways, in terms of like the box office back in the 80s when this came out, it is starting to uh, decline. And I think it sort of shows that they they started to get a little desperate. They started to think of mm-hmm. how could we think outside the box and do things to reinvigorate the franchise. But I don't think a lot of them work. Uh, and the idea of... Jason versus a Carrie knockoff uh, <laughs> never quite works. Um, but yeah. 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 I mean, I can see that what they were doing, kind of bring the telekinesis in, but um, not great. No. Not one of my favorites. No, and it's not one of mine either. Although I do mm-hmm. love the little bit of t- uh, trivia that I do know about this movie, in that mm-hmm. the producer of this movie is actually a producer on Stranger Things. So. Oh, very cool. I love yeah. Stranger Things. Yeah, so I mm. I want to one day write up an article or do a video comparing this with Stranger Things because you have a telekinetic mm. girl uh, fighting evil and, and, you know, it's set in the 80s. There's a lot of similarities between this and Stranger there Things. There is, actually. Mm. Yeah. Um, so uh, the overall plot of this uh, picks up where part six left off with Tommy chaining Jason to the bottom of the lake. Uh, we follow the shepherd family who lives near uh, the campgrounds on Camp Crystal Lake, which by the way, that lake just starts to look grosser and grosser by every single movie. 
And by the time oh, you get to this one, yeah. it's like, is this even the same lake? Like, this looks more like a lagoon in Alabama and not quite uh, the same <laughs> lake that we it's saw. It's disgusting. It's so steamy and disgusting. Yeah. And everybody always loves to go skinny dipping in it. I don't know why. I Yeah, it's, uh, you know, probably not the wisest <laughs> decision on, uh, no. on their part. Um, but we see a young Tina Shepard who... Uh, inadvertently uh kills her father with her telekinetic powers and mm. um it's it's actually interesting because there's a lot of rumors that they did try to get uh certain name brand horror characters into this movie so at one point they were going to try to have uh freddy krueger uh, from uh-huh. on elm street uh and that didn't pan out so then they tried to do carrie from the carrie movies the brian de palma film and mm-hmm. That didn't work out, but then they ended up doing a knockoff of that where she's very similar to Carrie. Like, I, honestly, you can compare the two, and they're pretty much the same character. I mean, trouble past, telekinetic powers. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tina is essentially Carrie in this. Um, you know, if you don't see it, I don't know. It to me, it's it's pretty obvious. But um, we we catch up to Tina, who's now a teenager, although she definitely looks like she's pushing thirty in this. Um, uh, definitely not looking like a teenager no. um, it's always interesting to watch behind the scenes on this because she mentions mentions how she was married at the time and all this and I'm like you're supposed to be a teenager and like I just I, I can't buy her as a teenager in this but <laughs> uh, Tina's mother Amanda and Dr. Cruz uh, played by Terry Kreiser who's a great actor he was also um, the corpse in um, I forget the movie but there's a movie where these two uh office guys uh have to pretend like their dead uh boss is still alive uh weekend at bernie's that was it oh weekend at bernie's yeah. Oh, okay yeah so he was uh the corpse in weekend at bernie's yeah <laughs> uh he definitely has a odd choice in his roles but I'm yeah not, I'm not disrespecting <laughs> it um so uh after uh particularly uh, disturbing session with uh, Dr. Cruz. Tina essentially goes, uh, you know, to the cabin and, uh, or leaves the cabin and goes to her dock and uh, awakens Jason, which in in retrospect, like, how they bring Jason back in these movies gets increasingly more absurd and, you know, in the last one he gets struck by lightning and that's pretty ridiculous. And this you have a telekinetic girl breaking the chains and literally propelling yeah. her down the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought the lightning was bad, and then I saw this one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have to bring him back somehow. It's an interesting choice, but... Yeah. Uh, so, she passes out, uh, wakes up, and uh, soon you get to be introduced to uh, the rest of the uh, cast of characters, uh, including uh, Nick and uh, a bunch of his friends, Uh most of them, I would say, are probably pretty forgettable characters. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some of them that seem to have some motivations, like the science fiction writer Eddie. You know, he seems kind of mildly interesting, I guess. Um, Melissa probably is the most interesting one because she's just like this. She's just really terrible person in this. <laughs> like, she goes out of her way to just not be uh, nice to Tina or anybody at all. Um, oh yeah, just just a bitch for no reason. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, so, uh, yeah. It, it, part of skipping ahead to what I don't like about this movie, I don't like all the melodrama. 
I don't mind mm. characterization in these movies. In fact, I think it actually helps flesh out the characters. But this is more like bad soap opera and not quite the level of characters that we get in like a part four, or part six, or even part two for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, slowly we start to realize that Jason has come back from the dead and, you know, he kills people in pretty gruesome fashion. Although, again, not too gruesome because they neuter the kills in this. Um, and, uh, you know, things escalate until eventually, uh, Nick and Tina are the last ones. Uh, Melissa gets, uh, killed. I think, yeah, Melissa is her name, right? Yeah, yeah Melissa. Yeah. I, With an axe, I think. Yes. She gets an axe mm. into her head and then she gets thrown it, either into the TV or over the TV. Either way is just, like, absurd. <laughs> um... <laughs> But what uh, one of my favorite parts about this movie is like the last thirty minutes because it is essentially a showdown between a telekinetic girl and Jason, and you could tell for once Jason sort of uh, fighting somebody who can actually fight back, and I find that kind of interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Tina is able to spar with Jason and keep up with him. Uh, there's even that scene where she rips off his mask, which I always think is kind of cool. Uh, it's funny in that a lot of uh, these horror movie villains, they try to keep the mask on or try to hide who the character is. But I think in almost every single Friday the 13th movie, you see Jason without his mask on at one point. Oh, or yeah. Time. We always end up seeing him and he just looks worse in every movie. Yeah. And he looks really he gnarly. Gets, he just gets more disgusting as time goes on. Yes. Although I will mm. say that between this movie and the next one, Jason takes Manhattan, he starts to look more or like a Muppet in that one. But... <laughs> Um, it's just a really ugly Muppet, I should say. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, they essentially blow up an entire house, which you would think would kill Jason, but no, no, no. Mm -mm. Uh, and that, uh, explosion too, like you can feel it in the camera. Like you can feel that explosion. And I'm always like, how did he survive that? That makes no sense. But, uh, Jason, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I mean, Jason can survive anything. Yeah. Including an entire... Including an entire exploding house. Yeah. Um, And uh, Tina's dad arises from the grave and takes Jason into the water, which is... That was the last thing I was expecting, and I I just didn't want it. (laughs) It was awful. I don't know which ending is worse. This or... Jason takes Manhattan where Jason literally is turned into a child. Um, mm. I don't know which is worse, but I would say probably this one just because it seems really weird that he would just pop out of the water like that. But And he's like completely fine, not decomposed at all. No. Just a normal human. Yeah. Yeah. So. Goes straight back into the water. Oh, awful. Yeah. So um, that's uh, the plot summary of this movie. Uh, I don't really like this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. what works? I do like Kane Hodder, who plays Jason in this. He ends up being the actor who plays Jason the most. He plays him uh, in this film. He plays him in Jason Takes Manhattan. And uh, a few, a couple other movies, Jason uh, Goes to Hell as well as Jason X. So he has the longest run of any actor playing Jason. And I like mm-hmm. how he plays Jason. He sort of moves. He kind of plays him with a little bit of personality, but not enough where Jason becomes jokey. 
Uh, he's mm-hmm. still a menace, but you can tell that there's sort of something going on behind or uh, under the mask there to kind of motivate him. So I do like Kane Hodder's portrayal of Jason. And I also do like the last 30 minutes of this. Like I said, it it's not... I don't think it makes the movie good, but it's definitely the most entertaining part of this movie. And sometimes I'll just skip this movie and go right to the last 30 minutes <laughs> of uh, Jason, essentially, uh, fighting Tina. That's mm. that's probably the most entertaining part of this. Um, and that's, unfortunately, all the positives I have to say for this. Um, yeah. What about you? What, uh, what did you like about this movie? Uh, yeah, not much. Um... Uh, doc- the Dr. Cruz character, although a weird plot point, it was also like we had another kind of villain to root against. Mm-hmm. So I didn't so I didn't mind that. I was kind of happy when he died. Yeah. Uh, a really strange scenario. But um, that whole kind of dynamic with Tina and Dr. Cruz, at least that brought a little bit of interest because I felt the the rest I don't think I like I was slightly entertained by the movie and the majority of that was because of the Tina and Dr. Cruz and Jason dynamic yeah. I think the rest of it Jason just kind of running around killing everyone I, I'm sick of at this point so yeah. yeah so I liked that we had a, a different kind of plot going on mm-hmm. um what else? Yeah, Jason was was good. I feel like he was at his kind of most terrifying and disgusting so far. Yeah, uh, which was great to see. Also, we're back at Crystal Lake again, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> they, just, they just renamed it again, but you know, we're returning to Crystal Lake. Yeah, so that's, that's great. It was far screen uh, last time, but. I just you know, want to imagine uh, some hipsters took over the town and were like, well, no, we're going to rename this back to Cap, Cap Crystal Lake. That's uh, old yeah. school. <laughs> yeah. Everyone just forget Forest Green. That never happened. No, no. Um, yeah, that's that's about it, yeah. honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I do like that both this and Jason Takes Manhattan both have a sub-villain aside from Jason. In, yeah. Uh, these adult figures... Like, these movies really seem to just paint adults as, like, the worst people possible. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, also, too, I guess I will add, and this is more of a meta-textual sense, but this movie has been embraced by the LGBTQ community uh, because it does have a lot of openly gay and LGBTQ actors in it. Uh, oh. So it was... For many years, and I I don't know, maybe this is not politically correct, but people call it Friday the 13th. Uh, Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of theaters that will show it as like sort of a queer celebration in cinema. So I do like that at least. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, A lot of the actors in this are gay. Uh, The actor who plays Nick, he is actually a lot of the male uh, teenagers in this quote unquote are are uh, gay and. I, I think it just yeah. kind of—it's nice to have sort of some representation, even if at the time it wasn't celebrated as much. I think mm-hmm. retroactively, it's been sort of embraced by the community, and I think that's—it's good in a way. It's—I don't think the movie's that great, but like I'll see, um, yeah, like queer cinema events—they'll be hosting this, and they'll say, "Well, we're going to show uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part 7. And part of me is always like, "Why would you show this one?" That's like, <laughs> not even the best of the franchise, but. 
again it comes back to it's got some representation which i think it should be noted for that at least Mm -hmm. Uh, that's great yeah uh what did i not like pretty much everything Mm -hmm. else uh, <laughs> uh, I think this movie goes on way too long. It definitely oh, drags in a lot yeah. of subplots, especially mm-hmm. with the melodrama. It it just it feels like you're watching an entirely different movie, and it feels like it's just padding, just to sort of keep you you know going through the runtime. But it doesn't actually add much of anything. Whereas in part six, I felt like you know Tommy's story and him bonding with Megan and the kids mm-hmm. like that was all fun and entertaining this is not really entertaining it just comes across as dry and dull and boring so mm-hmm. a lot of times when these teenagers are talking it just comes across like they're just delivering lines but they're not actually putting any kind of like effort into it um although i do always laugh when tina just shares all of her information with nick just right in this open spot and it's like <laughs> And I hope nobody is listening to me spill the beans about how I was in a mental institution. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you should probably keep that to yourself or at least say that in a little more privacy aside from in like the outdoors. But uh, she trusts him kind of straight off as well. Yeah. And like she kisses him pretty quickly too. Like, yeah, like she, she has no chill with just going for a kiss. With <laughs> Nick's enjoying it. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, mm-hmm. there, he's there for it. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So like, I think, you know, yeah, a lot of these movies are going to be the kills, and that's what entertaining. And I agree. Uh, but also, too, it's a lot of character stuff, and I think this just lacks it. Like, even you could look at something like Friday the 13th Part 2 and the whole subplot with Vicky and Mark, and I would say that's a lot better than this. Like, this just, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's It doesn't quite work. Uh, and again, the kills are just neutered. This is the main reason why people watch these movies, and it's like telling a joke, but taking out the punchline it just isn't effective it doesn't work and i i can respect what the movie's trying to do but there's no version of this where you get those kills restored in fact the studio actually destroyed the footage so there's no way we'll ever see those aside from some uh work prints that you can find on youtube and on some blu-ray releases so it's unfortunate it's that's Mm. kind of the way the way things are in hollywood sometimes but i think this movie's definitely a victim of that uh you know, part of me wonders one day, uh, you know, I'll just like open up my web browser and they'll be like, oh, we, we found the footage. Friday the 13th, part seven, you know, the director's cut will finally get that. And I'll... Mm, it could be a whole new movie. Yeah. And I think mm. there's something to be said for, you know, a lot of these movies kind of sway one way or another. Like part six kind of swayed more into humor. I kind of enjoy it for that. Part five kind of leaned more towards the sleazy factor of it. I can see a Friday the 13th leaning more heavily into gore and that Mm -hmm. kind of finding a niche for people. Um, And I think, you know, going forward into the future, you know, when this franchise kind of starts up again, it would be great to see someone sort of lean into that and make just a super gory Friday the 13th film. Um, But yeah, this is, this is not quite it. Uh, And it doesn't really feel any niche. It just sort of sits in the middle of everything and just doesn't really do anything quite exceptionally Mm -hmm. well. And why were they gunning for the rating that they got? They just wanted more people to be able to see it, or yeah. So if you um, get an X, if you got an X rating back in the day, that pretty much limited the number of theaters that you could show it in because a lot of theaters could not show an X rated film. Mm. Uh, So you would pretty much be taking a huge cut of your box office out, and you know these movies make a pretty good amount of money already, but. 
something like that would have just cut into their revenue too much so yeah they had to get the go for the xr rating which is still pretty like you still need parental supervision if you're under a certain age and whatnot but uh mm -hmm. it it definitely yeah it, it hurts the movie and i think it always just is unfortunate because there's again it could be really interesting to see a version of the movie where there is no edit on the kills and it's just you know mm -hmm. pure gore fest but we're, we're never gonna get that so um I think, yeah you covered everything about that you didn't like right or no basically the same i mean yeah forgettable characters just wasn't really entertained um and yeah the, while the ending was great the dad coming out at the end was just <laughs> stupid it really is and yeah in the defense of John Carl Beekler, who was the director on this, he tried to get it where the dad would come out and look a little more grotesque, but the studio and the producers both shot that down and sort of were like, we'll just throw a little bit of dirt okay. on him and it's, it looks bad. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite kill from this movie? Oh, you cut off again. Oh no. I asked you what your favorite kill was. Oh. Okay, I heard favorite kill. I assume you're asking me what my favorite kill is. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, there's not many great ones, so this is hard. And they do obviously cut them off. So this was a hard decision. I would say the one that scared me the most, just because I would hate to be in that situation, was the girl in the in the tent in the sleeping bag, and Jason kind of slashes through the tent. She starts screaming. She like curls up in the sleeping bag, and he yeah. drags her out, and she's like kicking and screaming. And you can see that he's just getting so pissed off. He's just getting so annoyed. It's like he was kind of gonna drag her away. He had different plans, but he just got so annoyed with her kicking and screaming so much. He just whacks her against a tree. So I love seeing a bit of jason's emotions i guess and mm -hmm. it just makes me never want to go camping again mm -hmm. mm. yeah what yeah. about you <laughs> yeah for me it's gotta be the sleeping bag kill that, yeah that one's the most famous that the movie is known for and it's oh, the it? day, oh. uh, they they have some callbacks to it in future movies too oh, um, okay. both jason x and the remake sort of play off of the sleeping bag kill to different mm -hmm. degrees so I always like that one. Um, I just like the idea of Jason just being like, no, I'm, you're, you can't hide from me. He just takes that sleeping bag <laughs> and slams it against a tree. Um, so, uh, well, who is your favorite character in this? I know we said many of them, if not all of them, are not likable. Yeah. I, oh. the, yeah, again, hard choice. They're all so forgettable. Uh i mean tina tina's mom was cute i liked her yeah uh nick was okay i mean i like jason can i choose jason as my favorite <laughs> character he's probably the most interesting character in this. <laughs> he is he is even even tina was just uh a, a bit an, a bit annoying or just i feel like we didn't get enough yeah of her I, yeah, I, I can't think of any character that's kind of fully developed enough. I mean, Tina's obviously supposed to be the main character, but maybe I would say Jason, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably say Dr. Cruz. If only because I find, like, I actually sort of, I feel like he elicits the most reaction out of me when I watch yeah. it. Yeah. Like, 
I'm just like, oh, you're such a dirtbag. And he plays it so well. I mean, but that's mm-hmm. the thing. Terry Kreiser is a great actor, so he sort of brings that level of skill to this. Um, mm-hmm. But you can tell, like, he's playing in the major leagues and they're all playing in the minors and he's just you know, oh, yeah. lapping them every time he's in a scene. But I do like him in this. And obviously, you know, his kill is just so satisfying with those. Um, it's like some sort of like weed whacker or weed cutter, it looks like, something like that. And um, Yeah, it sounded like a chainsaw, but definitely wasn't a chainsaw i've never seen a tool like that before i wonder if it was no. a movie but i just i love that kill because it's just yeah yeah and it's the one that sort of still mildly works even if it is edited down um mm-hmm. but yeah so i'll say dr cruz um but only because he he kind of plays a good villain so he does play a good villain you do end up really hating him oh well, mm. for sure um okay i think it's time to give this okay. a rating what would you uh, give this a score of? Ooh, this was awful. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give this a two out of ten oh, machetes. Wow. I just feel like I just would not watch this again ever. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. I um I have to look up my letterbox review because I mm-hmm. definitely did not give it a high score either but i'm just wondering which mm-hmm. i gave it i gave it eh, uh like four out of ten mm-hmm. machetes it's just not that good i mean no and this is even one that during a rewatch of the franchise i can just skip this one it doesn't mm-hmm. really make a difference to me if i skip it which is unfortunate because i i do uh I do try not to skip too many of these movies, but there's only two in the franchise that I will absolutely under no circumstances really rewatch unless it's for this podcast I did. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, if uh, on my own volition, I will just say, no, I'm, I'm skipping this. And this is one of them. Uh, the other is Jason goes to hell, which we'll be covering oh. uh, relatively soon. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, this, this is just hard pass for me. <laughs> Um, so sorry, Tina. Um, you and sorry, Nick, Tina. Nick, uh, don't get the happy ending you deserve, but uh, oh. yeah. Um, so that's it for this episode. You can find more of us over at threeingrenerds.com, where you have the Three Angry Nerds podcast, Three Angry Gamers, all that other fun stuff. Uh, until next time, everyone. Bye for now. <laughs>